Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 244. The Manhattan is an excellent drink. My name is Josh Canal. Two- I'm sorry. What? I, I interrupted. You, you clearly did. It's yeah. it's like you've never been in this part of the show before. I'm Toby. new. I'm it's, new here. Uh, s- sitting in for John Richards, who is busy doing actual television work. Toby Halligan. Hello. And to my right, sitting where he always sits, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Toby as uh, one of the limited substitutes uh, since we've brought in the new rules uh, yep. for this season of Box Cutters. That's right. Uh, Sorry, AFL reference there. They're uh, reducing the number of interchanges that are available Mm. next year to stop injuries and uh, I think fair it up a little bit. Yeah, apparently it's gone up to like 119 a game or something like that. You've out of control. You lost me at AFL. (laughs) It's a type of sport. Not that I'm interested. It's uh, it's just I thought it was a league. See, that's how much I know. I thought it was a league within a type of sport. But (laughs) what do I know? Right, so what does the L stand for in AFL? League. (laughs) Right, yeah. right. But the game is actually Aussie rules. I'm a pedant about this. When people call football AFL, I punch them in the throat. You're wow. lucky you're sitting that far away from me, I Toby am. Halligan, because I get really, really violent about things. Because, you know, when I grew up, the league was the VFL. We had the Victorian Football sure. League and the Victorian Football Association. South Australia had the SAFL. Western Australia had uh, well, Quidditch. SANFL. Uh, and waffle over in and uh, and uh, Queensland had rugby and New South Wales had uh, had curling curling yeah yeah and uh, that's that's what it was like when I was when I was growing up yeah and then the AFL started and everyone started calling footy AFL and it's not no it's not that's just the league that people play in that they play Aussie rules in correct biggest one in the world. Biggest Aussie Rules League in the world. That is correct. I feel I feel your rage. Incidentally, talking about when you were growing up, Josh, we should yes. inform our listeners that it was very recently Josh's birthday. It was. It That's was right. very recently yes, my birthday. On, on Friday, I believe mm. it was. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday. Thank sure. you. And happy birthday to my mum as well, whose birthday it was. Happy birthday to my dad, whose birthday will be this weekend. Wow. Oh, yeah. My brother. Odd one out. Far out. This would have been an expensive week it. for him. <laughs> y- yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, it, it would it would have been, it would have been. But he took me to see the eels a few uh, a, f- a few weeks back, right? As a, a preemptive birthday present. So you know, he's uh, he's he's managed to just what, what's that called? Where you? Uh, I'm going to call it amortizing. Uh, <laughs> coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we will hopefully be speaking to John Richards live from. Uh, the world of ABC TV, where he is in the midst of meetings regarding the pre-production of his show Outland, and uh, and are we going to have a candid uh, ear in on that? Well, hopefully, he's going to tell us what the hell pre-production is, because uh, see so if he if he surreptitiously dialed us, because if he was if he was writing all this time, which he has been, why is that not pre-production? That's what I want to know. So he'll hopefully be telling us about that. Uh, Brett, you've got some crap TVs that have come mm. out of the uh, the weekend's television. Uh, I am going to give a little uh, update on what's been happening with the US fall season. Uh, we've got some letters to box cutters. We've got one thing. We've got some pork. We've got Toby's footnotes. That's all coming up later on. I'm just going to call it Toby's foots. Toby's foots. Yeah. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. 
News. You can't give me the back on topic sign while we're in break, Toby. That just what topic? What I'm trying to, I'm trying to train you. It's like Pavlov's bell. <laughs> it is. It is a lot like Pavlov's bell, <laughs> which would always salivate whenever a dog was nearby. <laughs> <laughs> Stop salivating, Josh. In uh, in in very sad news, uh, a, a man who really shaped the way I watched television uh, in the in the 1980s, Stephen J. Cannell. Uh, no relation to me because his name is spelt completely differently. Mine's J O S H. He's S D E P H E N. He passed away uh, late last week, and uh, and he uh, was only sixty nine. Was only sixty nine years old. Died from cancer. You might remember Stephen J Cannell because his uh, his vanity card at the end of episodes was him typing on a typewriter and then he would take the bit of paper out of the typewriter, throw it behind him, and then that would turn Land into an on animation the ream of paper. Turn into an animation which would it up by the wind. And become the sea mm-hmm. of Canal. Uh, and it, you know, one of the first really beautiful title cards at the end of uh, at the end of episodes. Uh, and amongst other shows he uh, co created Riptide which did not last very long, but I have fond memories of it. I remember the title, Riptide. I don't think I ever watched an episode. It was very much I, like Simon and Simon. I have a feeling it's uh, it was at a similar level to Hunter, uh, as no. far as quality goes. Uh, because what, wasn't, wasn't Riptide, Hunter and the A-Team all in production at the same time? No, I think Riptide uh, came after the A-Team. He also did the A-Team and he did Hunter. Uh, Greatest American Hero was uh, was my favourite of, of that list. He's uh, he he really did some great nineteen eighties television work, uh, and then kind of dropped off uh, uh, after a while. I think it, when I think about episodic television, when I think about the uh, the the concepts around it, and and that just piece that you can watch come in at any episode, you know exactly what's going on. Stephen J. Cannell's TV shows are, are right up there with the, you know, I, I would have called them quality at the time. Looking back at them now, uh, like just almost unwatchable, but but was so important for the 1980s. Mm. It was incredibly That's successful. Nice. I think he had at some point six shows going on in 1986 in the spring season, six shows at once. That is a lot. Yeah, that's a huge amount of television. And he had dyslexia too, so it's yes. pretty impressive. Yeah, which is uh, which is why he just kept throwing bits of paper behind him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be typing them out, going, I don't know what that says. <laughs> Throw it that's behind. That's not him. a word. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he had an, an influential teacher at one point who uh, told him that uh, he could do anything that he wanted, mm. and he took that quite literally and uh, just kept on powering through and did what he wanted. For some reason, I've always associated Stephen J. Canal with Hill Street Blues. I- uh, don't know how that uh, happened. That's probably because of the initial J, and you're thinking of Daniel J. Travanti. No. Who starred in Hill Street Blues. No, I, I thought that uh, that was the first time I'd seen that uh, that end card with the typewriter. No. No, it had nothing no. to do with Hill Street Blues as far as I know. But anyway, it's, uh, his tabs and friends are very, very, very influential. Now, <clears throat> Senator Conroy, Conroy. Uh, released a... Uh, a media release. There's been an announcement late last week, week saying that uh, the entire analog to digital switchover for regional Victoria 
everything remaining in what would be considered regional Victoria... Outside of Melbourne Metropolitan. ...will be switched over in May 2011. By May 2011. The entirety oh, of regional I thought, Victoria. I uh, thought it was going to be... Away from the Sunraysia region, which has already gone there. Yes. I thought it was going to be in May 2011. I thought they were just going, that's, uh, that's as close as we're going to come. May 2011. Uh, no, there is actually a date, and uh, that is uh, May the 5th, I believe it was. Uh, May the 5th. Hmm. Which is just after just, World just Jedi after Day. Just after World Jedi Day. It's, uh... <laughs> May the 4th be with you. Yes, it's May the 5th, uh, 2011. Uh, it's a lot more important than your Talk Like a Pirate Day, Toby. Yar. <laughs> and it's gone. That's that was last week. Far out. It's gone. You guys are so... Generation, I don't know, lame. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> so on that day, we're so we're so words go together. <laughs> Any areas in uh, regional Victoria will be uh, switching off the analog signal. Uh, regions <coughs> that are going early include Bonnie Doon and Hauqua. Uh, and uh, you know my theory about if trams don't go there, they're not real places. Your theory is if it's not in Zone 1, it's not a real place, I yeah, think. Trams usually go to places in Zone 1. Like, you can pretty much get everywhere by tram. Uh, so, Halkwa. Halkwa is... Uh, which is uh, in the South of Island them, of New Zealand? Both of <laughs> them are uh, up near Lake Yildon. Okay. Um, Halkwa, I believe, is on the way up to Mount Buller, covers Mansfield, that kind of area. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yep, it's the Halkwa River. Uh, the, the area I don't know named how quill river after but um, I, as I was as I was reading through this <laughs> that's why Abbott and Costello were never big in Australia <laughs> as I was reading through this one of one I was stunned at uh, at Stephen Conroy's uh, claim that 76 percent of households have already converted to digital TV and 95 percent of households in regional Victoria are aware of the digital switchover date. Now, I travelled to regional Victoria over the weekend and uh, I asked... In doing research? Is this just you doing research, Brett? Yes, yes, this is is the length that I go to. Specifically to establish their level of knowledge regarding digital television. Because I was... (laughs) I I thought, no, really? 95% of households? Could that possibly be correct? And let me tell you, my research shows that 100% of people that I spoke to in regional Victoria in the last week had no idea of the date of the switch-off. And, uh, uh, a and, sample and of how many, The switch over to digital. Uh, well, it was over uh, three households, I can say. <laughs> but that's 100%. Of the of the survey, it's like a third of regional Victoria. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they do all share houses. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like nineteen sixteen Russia. But it's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a ridiculous like claim. Thousand people in each. That they they haven't actually announced this date, the switchover date for regional Victoria, until he was making this. I th- yeah. No, but I, is, isn't he saying that they're aware of the concept of, like, it's metaphysical? No, aware all, of all the of digital his- switchover dates, he said. 95% of households are, are aware. <clears throat> and, like, let's, let's forget about his weasel words with 95% of households. So he's only looking at, assume there's four in each household, so you're only looking at 95% or 25%, uh, which is around about 7.5% or something. Um, but... So, 100% of households even, you spoke even to... Even that number 
would not be covered in regional Victoria. Were 100% of the households you spoke to aware of digital television as yes. a concept? Yes. Uh, and in, were, they aware, and fact, were, were they aware that there would be a switch-off time for analogue TV? They are now. <laughs> <laughs> but were they before I, you spoke to them? Um, I, I took that as a given. I, think I, I didn't see that as, as too <laughs> controversial. That, uh, and, But through, through those discussions, uh, it's primarily been through the ads for Freeview and and the little tagline of free for me freak for me that anybody knows that uh, there's a switch over to digital and uh, there are extra channels coming on but also that the analog signal's going to be turned off at some point right so, so it's not even the government's awareness campaign of any type uh, that is leading people to being aware that it's being switched off well they're um they're going to be aware come the uh, 6th of May when they can yeah. no longer see their uh, first-run episodes of Mr. Ed. I, on, on I make too much that fun. Was, <laughs> that was probably not a fair generalisation about regional Victoria as a whole. Pr- probably not. <laughs> I, can, I can be quite mean. I mean I, Mr. Ed's pretty old school. Bendigo's got a tram. But yeah. <laughs> that's why I don't ever imagine fantasise about talking to horses. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, uh, well, who would What about be? dogs? Lassie? Huh? See? Oh, seriously. <laughs> Lines in the sand. You're always defending regional Victoria, Tony. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, I, think, I think it's going to... I don't think it's actually going to make much difference. I think people in regional Victoria will... Like, a lot of them have already switched over to digital television because the reception is better. Because think, it's, a lot, it's a lot easier for them. It's better yeah. as long as they've got a certain level of reception that's coming through. Well, yeah, it's binary. It's all it's, or nothing with digital yeah, sure. TV. Sure. But I think all all Connor will be referring to there is 95% of people should have been captured based on, say, they will have been mailing things to people. They will have been asking, you know, uh, putting certain kinds of ads on TV. Um, Government's not really about actually understanding things. No, it's just, it's it's all about saying words to make yourself sound good. Yeah, well, it's about, like, figures that you can't possibly ascertain their accuracy. Like, there's no one, apart from, Greg, maybe this can be your homework, Brett. You can go out and speak to 5% of regional Victoria, mm-hmm. you know, there's something like 455,000 people out there, according to the article. We could we could establish if, is Conroy lying? If we have any uh, listeners in regional Victoria left after I said such horrible things, uh, <laughs> if, if does this clash with Mr. Ed? Oh, I guess you can download it any time. You can you can download it any time. Listen to <laughs> listen to it during you can the stream, Mr. Ed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> could you could you please let us know? Hooray at boxcutters.net. Uh, how you or the people around you have been made aware of the digital switch-off date and uh, if you know how much Senator Conroy is potentially lying. Yeah. With the next news item, uh, Toby Halligan is going to read out the next news item. That's right. Um, Oh, hang hang on. Hang on. Hang on. No, sorry. Sorry, I've just been informed. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to... (laughs) So sorry, Toby. I just... This is embarrassing. I, it's so embarrassing. I don't know how to say... It. Brett, Brett, it's, you, do, oh, you do the news item. You really, you, you really do deserve to read it, though, Brett. That's, that's, that's great. That's, the, 
You know, you, and roll the credits. You know this this uh, this cock up on box cutters here tonight. And I, I hope that uh, I hope that we don't get too much coverage about this cock up <laughs> on box cutters because that would be a terrible, terrible thing to to actually happen. Yeah. I, I would be so embarrassed. It'd be if, this is going to be on YouTube. If, seriously, if it were to be reported this in all gonna, the daily papers around the country, it would be horrible. If, if I was to be interviewed on uh, on a current affair tomorrow night. That would be terrible. Would be this horrible. is going to be like one of those cat attacking a reporter videos, but not a video, a recording. Seriously, this this moment here. This is going to be on top twenty, the the twenty most embarrassing TV commentary podcast moments that Bert Newton uh, hosts in in uh, future years to come. Can we also have oh. a cat attacking a reporter clip? I, I completely agree. If we can do that as well, we need to get a reporter in here and a cat. That'd be excellent. So. Last week, it was the America's Next Top... Uh, sorry, Australia's Next Top Model uh, live finale and Sarah Murdoch, nay O'Hare. Nay. 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 Formally. It's not nay. Maiden. It's nay. Maidenly. O'Hare. Uh, but uh, announced, Murdoch now. Announced the, uh, the winner of Australia's Next Top Model and speeches were given and thanks and hugs and flowers and... Confetti cannons and and catwalks and everything was everything was happening uh, and then she gets a little uh, a little message coming through her earpiece saying actually you screwed that up and it's the other one I know I just said the skinny girl and I shouldn't have just said the skinny girl because there are two of them <laughs> standing next to you but it was the other skinny girl uh, my mistake but what are you going to do anyway deal with that I'm off to the pub that's yes. what because I, I got the feed. From uh, from the producer from, from her earpiece. into the earpiece, yes. and that's that's pretty much what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then the uh, the TV subscriber network came out uh, uh, later and said, oh, it was all our fault. Sarah Murdoch had nothing to do with the cock up of the announcing of the winner of Australia's Next Top Model." Now, you're, having you're an ANTM skeptic, aren't you, Brett? You think the whole thing was was just a ploy to get heaps and heaps of coverage it's genius if that's what it was but do you think and, and do you think that's but, what it was they are well it's this has been put about by various media organs around the place and and that's uh pretty much was was what was being responded to by foxtel's press release about oh it but was what, us but what do none you of believe? this none of this was planned well i try not to be too much of a conspiracy theory crank, but you are also naturally cynical. Yeah, like it, it. And if it if it was all intentional, it is genius because this is a show that a, a, a relatively very small number of people were watching uh, or cared about, and from that they they. It was all around Sarah Hare's, Sarah Murdoch's uh, uh, look of just, oh, my God, what? I've, I've named the wrong person as the winner. And from there, just it spread like wildfire that she was shown to be so embarrassed and, and, yeah. it, went, and I, it went from there. I just and, don't and think it could have been faked. I just, I just don't have that much faith in Sarah Murdoch's capacity to act. Well, <laughs> I just don't well, think. Quite possibly I, I think- the producers set her up. Sarah Murdoch is is a is an excellent host, and and she was she's been a great host of uh, ANTM for the last sure. two seasons, and uh, and I think 
that there is no way that she would have faked that. I don't think she yeah. would, you know, if she had been a part of some conspiracy like that, I, you know, I actually think she has quite a lot of integrity mm. and she wouldn't have been a, a part of, a willing participant. Knowing her so well. In that. As you do. Well, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't spoken to her have for a few weeks. Have you been commenting on blogs about this? She married a Murdoch. <laughs> like- she, she did marry a Murdoch. Sure. So what? He's the nicest Murdoch. <laughs> He's the, the one. Murdochs. He left the business. Yeah, he, he left the business. Some of the Murdoch family as well, like in the UK, have condemned Fox News, etc. Like just being, you know, married to a Murdoch doesn't mean you don't yeah. have any credibility. I think. One, I think. What, I, I, actually, I actually think that this was a genuine, a genuine mistake on her part. Uh, whether or not the producers intended, I think that's too much of a risk. I think that's too much of a risk to say, let's do this and see how she deals with it on on live TV. I actually think it was a, a genuine mistake, especially because they announced the, the winner, the correct winner, so close to the end credits. And and they just roll roll the credits because everything on Foxtel goes Rather to time. Reloading the, the confetti cannons and Rather, Yeah. But everything everything runs to time on uh on, on Foxtel. Because they don't have they don't employ anybody that can update the EPG. And once they're at I think just because timing is very important to them. Yeah. Unlike, say, Channel 10, who are quite willing to go 10 minutes over time because they think that helps them capture an audience for their next show. What? It, they, they, according to some, think that that's the, the way to keep the audience there because once they get through with the show, then go to Jane Joe over to another channel. That's what I just that said. show's already started. That's what I just said. And when I said so capture the audience for the next show. Over there. I just said that. One Pretty other much, theory. You just said what I said, but in more words. Another theory is that uh, Kelsey Martinovich. Sure. Martinovich. Kelsey. Was the preferred winner, and uh, her name was put on the card that Sarah Murdoch had, and they were holding out for as long as possible for her to actually have the higher uh, votes coming in on the voting lines. Uh, but they, this is a show that has its voting audited and uh, they weren't actually able to, uh, to hold out for long enough and it had to go to the other one, but Sarah had uh, the wrong name on the card. Right, so it was just apparently. Apparently, there were three votes that separated the two. So they just yeah. they just misjudged the timing, uh, taking auditing. Well, I think into, she was getting the live feed of the the counts of the votes, and then it turned out that the margin went back. Where is Anthony Green when you need him? I agree. I mean, that's that would have solved this really? whole problem. Do we do we need that kind of? I think I think we need Anthony Green on America uh, on Australia's Next Top Model. Uh huh. America's Australia's Next Top Model is what <laughs> the, the show should be called. Lastly, in the news. Uh, what what is this? Uh, Channel Ten drops the Voice of Victory. Well, so uh, the Voice of Victory is uh, a program uh, from Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and it's mm. basically uh, a religious show uh, where they you know talk about faith, etc. The Voice of Victory. Issues. They're a bit full of themselves, aren't they? They they are a little bit. Uh, I think um, you know they broadly are referring to the victory of Christ over. Well, everything, but it's more specifically <laughs> their own victory, and uh, uh, they, they've, they've made an enormous amount of money out of it, and they're extremely successful. And in June, on uh, an episode of Voice of Victory, um, uh, they, uh, the homosexual lifestyle was widely condemned and discussed in quite a lot of detail that not only uh, are 
will God not love you if you're gay? But if you respect gay people, then God won't love you. Um, so they got into quite a lot of detail about the, with the hating on the homosexuals, and Channel 10 has actually decided that according to the Commercial Television Industry Code of Practice, this is uh, a breach of the code, because the code states that you should not provoke or perpetuate intense dislike, serious contempt, or severe ridicule against you know, different minorities. So, Good on um, you. Yeah. Good well, on you, Channel 10. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it was, I was amazed when I read it. I mean, you know, obviously Channel 10 isn't the worst of any of the corporate... Uh, and, they, and they made this decision <coughs> on their own without... ACMA yep, yep. without and they, they just they just did it of mm. their own accord. This is what I mean when I keep talking about Channel Ten being ahead of, of the pack. I completely with, agree. With anyway they are making their own decisions and mm. that's so much more than any other network is doing yep. in Australia. Absolutely. It's, like when you've got people like Carl Sandilands and Sam Newman kind of floating around like turds in the toilet of Australian commercial television. It's 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 impressive to see, you know, them drawing the line in the sand. I imagine this show didn't rate very well. Well, this is the thing as well, especially <clears throat> making such a big point of taking off a show at a time when only four people are watching it. Yeah. And uh, I, I used to like I used to watch some of those evangelical shows when I was suffering really, really badly from insomnia and I got sick of buying uh, kitchen items from the television <laughs> uh, and I would, I would turn over and get a little bit of guilt and Christ into my life for no good reason. No. Uh, and uh, and I, I, like I could understand why these shows were popular mm. Uh, because they do speak directly to somebody. It is very much like your television is talking directly to you. Yeah. But nobody is watching. No. And uh, no. and it is just very, very cheap filler. Good on you, Channel 10, hmm. for taking it off air. Yeah, respect to them. I, I have wondered in the past whether these uh, Christian broadcasters actually pay Channel 10 to be broadcasting. I would not be surprised. Hmm. I would not be surprised. If Especially since so much of, of a lot of the shows is about saying, send in your money now. Mm. Yeah. And Channel 10 has always had quite a lot of Christian programming as well. Some of it Australian, uh, like 11 o'clock at night on a, on a Monday night or something like that. Back, back in the day, they would have like a Christian talk show, a Christian, you could call in. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a, fo- a phoning show. very awkward with talk back on yeah. the TV. Yep. Uh, which is, so they've, they've always had uh, allegiances that, that way. I think this is a, a very interesting move. Congratulations. Mm. And that is the Boxcutters News. Cut! That's the worst coma acting I've ever seen. Is it my imagination or is TV getting worse? Ah, uh, this show ain't no good. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Oh, look out, Smithers! <laughs> I love this show. We haven't talked about 3D television at all uh, so far in this episode of Box Cutters. In this episode? Yes. Uh, no, we haven't. I'll have to see what I can do about that. This okay. is Crap TV for the very moment. And uh, before I, I launch into that, I... I <laughs> oh, really? Because I, I, I was just Because I wanted to do it in this order. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. I was um, just guessing. I, I I just wanted to mention I I did catch uh, quite a bit of uh, ABC News Breakfast this morning, which isn't a bad like it is so much better than the commercial uh, uh, newsy breakfast shows. Sunrise and today I'm looking at you two today especially freaking car what a tool. <laughs> they have that. They have that on in in my gym since I've been going to the gym at uh, you know six they have six today. o'clock six twenty. They've got the Today Show on, and uh, what a world of not very much news that show is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It seems like every single segment is entertainment reporting from LA. 
Oh, but also yeah. also driving very much uh, quite a quite a clear uh, stra- agenda uh, for mm. what they want. Uh, you know, they were they were talking up uh, uh, turning back the boats, coming up to the election. Uh, Carl's Carl's hot for Bob Catter. I tell you, he loves that bloke. Loves him. And, uh, um, and, and, and also, they're, they're mad for Collingwood as well, the Today Show. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, God. mad for Collingwood. Far out. That's just horrible. And Richard Wilkins, yeah, what the hell is he doing still on TV, I, especially after announcing uh, the death of... Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Josh, yes, him. Um, Poor Jeff. He was wrong. I, I saw Jeff Goldblum walking around in New York months and months and months after he died in New Zealand. Yeah. Freaked me out. Killed by T-Rex, killed by Richard Wilkins. <laughs> Zombie Jeff Goldblum. God. Anyway. I, I tried to watching, cut his head off and I was, then I got in trouble. I was watching ABC News Breakfast this morning and uh, you might have heard yesterday the NRL Grand Final happened up in uh, Sunday. Sydney. Sunday. Sunday for those uh, listening. To this show because you probably won't get it in until Tuesday. past... Um, Sunday for anyone, and and you know they they were very excited about the the winners of the NRL Grand Final. I can't St George Dragons who, who was in it. I can't remember who won it. St uh, George Dragons versus about, uh, the rest of the world, I believe. The leagues club and the brawl that happened there, and uh, you know news was all all uh, fairly sketchy at that point. It was uh, it seems to have uh, developed quite a bit over the day. St George Dragons won the uh, NRL Grand Final for the first time in. Years, and are they uh, are they a working class type uh, team? Uh, no, no, no. They're uh, crusaders who fight dragons. It's weird. Ah, oh, and they're all English. Yeah, and uh, that because number again the English was the, the English are the better rugby players, um, of course. So there was there was heaps and heaps and heaps of news about all that. However, this is on the Monday morning after we've had two grand finals over the weekend. Not a single mention of the AFL Grand Final, nor of the teams. Not in the news updates. On ABC not News 24. On ABC News Breakfast this morning, not a single word about the AFL Grand Final over the weekend. Wax, Ian the Today Show had a lot of coverage of the uh, AFL Grand Final. Which I, I think is uh, quite indicative of the Sydney centricity of uh, of News Breakfast and and probably ABC uh, News Twenty Four overall. Do Do you think News Twenty Four pre recorded their uh, pre recorded theirs by a week, so they thought that no. uh, the NRL <laughs> Grand Final would have been over by then. So they thought that, but they also knew who was going to win the NRL Grand Final. Yeah, because that's totally rigged. But the with the footage. Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, now you're poking holes in my theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not that much of a crank that I think that they pre-record <laughs> news ten, ten days early? You don't think so? I don't think so. I, but I, I was stunned that uh, there was absolutely no mention, not a single word of the AFL Grand Final from over the weekend. What's your second bit of Still on footy. Um, I also found it quite interesting after the original draw of the AFL Grand Final. Which is the way I like to remember it. That's how I like to remember it. And, uh, it was the year no one won. And we we had last week uh, your I Don't Buy It about the campaign throughout, uh, all that footy stuff with the, the wasps and bikes running by and everything being fuzzy. Everything's, you've, everything's fuzzy because you've bought the wrong 3D TV. You've spent three and a half grand on a dud, take it out back, bring the curtains around, 
shoot it. Of course, that continued uh, in the seconds go at it. Mm-hmm. Unfortun- <laughs> I wouldn't know. I fell asleep. The unfortunate thing about that, though, is that the AFL Grand Final that actually had a result was not broadcast in 3D. No, because Seven Mate have their HD channel, have the uh, have, have taken over HD by now. That's not the reason. No? Not only wasn't it in 3D, it wasn't in HD. You could only get it in standard definition. This is the, the ultimate AFL match of the year. But they also and they had... they only had it in standard definition. They also had the... Uh, but they had all those 3D camera angles, though. No, I think they'd taken away the angles because I, I especially noticed that there wasn't the camera right in the middle of the goals that the ball would come at when they got a, uh, a goal scored right in the middle of the goals. Hmm. Is that because they were having to ship all their cameras over to India to get 3D shots of the swimmers? I suspect the they were all shipped up to, to Sydney. And the reasoning was they didn't have the equipment <gasps> to be able to shoot 3D. Ah, so you think there's only one set of 3D sports cameras... In Australia, Channel and Seven explained seven, that they, Seven and Nine they had a book for last weekend, and not the weekend just gone, and ah. it uh, had to be sent up to Sydney. I'm assuming for the NRL Grand Final. Right. It's a shame that uh, that I couldn't watch the NRL Grand Final in 3D because, of course, what I want is eight men's asses just pointing right at me. Absolutely. You really want to be pointing able to out see of the those noses up. getting disjointed up close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what you want. Do you still get to see the fingers going in? It, it, looks, like, it looks like it's coming straight at you. Right. Like that, that finger so is pointed straight at your bottom hole. They need a, a Hopawati <laughs> x-ray cam. They've yeah. actually got 3D day cam. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. It's frightening. It's a, it's a frightening sport. It must make it hard for the players to play. All this, all those cameras, all those fingers, the cameras. <laughs> too much footy, too much crap TV. Hi, I'm Adam Zwa. You might recognise my voice from ads for Ford, Australia Post, and HBA, or maybe from the phone calls I make to your house late at night. That's right. I make phone calls to your house late at night. I'm Adam Zwa. And you're listening to Box Cutters. I just wanted to give a, a quick wrap up of some of the shows that I've seen uh, that have started in the US. This is this uh, what traditionally a while ago for those uh, long Box Cutters listeners uh, was the new full season segments yes. that that went over weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and weeks. since since we had that segment though, we have started uh, the Rule of Three. Uh, which makes doing that segment a lot harder because we have to wait for at least three episodes of full season shows, and sometimes there aren't three episodes of full season shows. So w- one of the shows that has been cancelled uh, already is a show that was on Fox called Lone Star, and uh, Lone Star cowboy was- drum. No, but based in Texas. Sounds like it. A, a, te- a Texas-based drama. The Lone Star State. Correct. Uh, and uh, and the guy who created it is from Austin and uh, and you know very much apparently Austin's in, the least Texasy town in Texas. That's what people in Austin kept telling me. <laughs> they kept, they kept telling me, "Do you like do you like Austin?" And I would say yes, and they'd say, "Well, stay out of the rest of Texas, yeah, because yeah. you won't like that." And I'm like, ah, "Great." Uh, the uh, so so it was it, it, based in Texas. It was about a. Uh, a 
a guy who had been brought up as a con man and by the end of the first episode... Like, he, that's what they bred him for? His father did, yeah. Okay. His, his father brought him up as, you know, in the game, essentially. Yep. Uh, by the end of the episode, he wants to go legit, but also becomes a bigamist. So... You know, there, there was a lot going for that show. It, it, it was actually quite intriguing. Because that was a long con? Well, it was. he got married as part of a really long con and uh, and then fell in love uh, at, you know, doing another con and had fallen into trouble. So, so, basically, the first episode was just setting up all the ways that this guy's life could go wrong. And, uh, and the second episode was the, the start of that story, you know, as... As we say in the rule of three, first episode is exposition. Second episode is really the start of the story. Third episode is... First one's the pilot, second one's exposition. Whatever. Third one, they can get running with it. That thing. That thing what you say. That's my theory. That thing, that thing what you made up. Uh, two episodes and Fox has cancelled this. Uh, they had given it... Nobody watched. Nobody watched. They'd given it the prime spot of following House. Uh, but the things that were up against it were just... Uh, were just too much to to bear, and uh, what were they? I can't remember. But it was it was up against something something else that was just drawing the crowds. Um, uh, so the, the event was put up against Chuck, so Chuck wasn't looking too happy. The um, uh, the event is uh, I'm not very impressed with that show so far. Uh, there are lots and lots of cop and uh, and law dramas again this season. Uh, two that I'm gonna. I'm going to mention one is called Blue Blood. Now, the, the three, the other three shows that I've chosen, I've chosen because they have very bad names. Hmm. Their names make me not want to watch them from the start. Blue Blood sounds like the Tudors. All right, Blue, Blue Blood sounds like it's sounds like something royalty. to do with royalty, yeah. and no, it's uh, it's generation three generations of police officers in New York City. Mm-hmm. Again, I think maybe a bit full of themselves. A, a, a little bit, uh, a, a little bit full of themselves. Uh, one of those, uh, one of those generations is Tom Selleck. Ah. Oh, with moustache. Oh, good. I know, I know. Because without moustache, I don't think the show ever would have got picked up <laughs> at all. Uh, and his son is played by, or one of his sons is played by Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, so it automatically has the uh, it automatically has the Donnie Wahlberg kiss of death on it. Uh, not a very good show. Not not very impressed with it. Uh, but you know, sitting around drinking brews at the end of a hard shift between no, I, I father, think, uh, son, and the, grandfather. The, the grandfather is a, is a retired policeman. Uh, the father, Tom Selleck, uh, is the like, commissioner or something like that. Ah. It's very high up. Uh, so so it is the police royalty. Which is more of a political appointment. Yeah, it's it's kind of police royalty. Uh, in so it's blue bloods in that way, but they've also got blue running through their veins, and that's all that crap. Anyway, it's not very exciting. In fact, it is very boring. If they'd if they'd called it maybe the thin blue blood, maybe that'd be weird. Uh, it, it's it's I one of those cops. It's one of those shows where they don't have enough. Like they, they think, oh, maybe this situation doesn't have enough drama. So uh, Donnie Wahlberg's character is in charge of an investigation where he has to find a missing girl. A girl has been kidnapped, abducted, taken off the street, mm-hmm. and and they have to find her. 
high drama situation. So it was a street kid? No. No, no, she was just walking along the street. Oh. And grabbed off the street, abducted. Yep. Uh, high drama situation. Her parents are very upset. Clearly, that's enough drama. Mm-hmm. Missing child. That's got to be enough drama. Mm-hmm. Not for Do blue bloods. they have unreasonable uh, press conferences on a stage at the front of the house? That uh, I'm just I'm, I'm the, taken back for some reason to the opening episode of The Mentalist. Yeah, it's uh, it's even they even try to add more drama than in the than in The Mentalist. The girl's a diabetic, and if she doesn't get <sighs> insulin in 24 hours, she will die. Oh my God. Like, really? Do the kidnappers know she's a diabetic? <laughs> no! No, they don't! Can she tell them? She can't tell them. She's got because duct tape on her mouth. She's mute and she's, deaf. She's mute She's mute and deaf, and they've put a gag in her mouth and cut off her tongue. <laughs> <laughs> to send as proof that they've got it. That they've got it, and if they'd cut off her tongue but done a glucose analysis on it, <laughs> they would know that she had low blood sugar. So... Just a t- bad show, bad show. Another show with a really bad title is The Whole Truth, which stars Joel Fleischman, although you might know him as Rob Morrow, but with I a, know him as Joel Fleischman. With a W, without a W? No no W in Joel Fleischman, but there is one in Rob Morrow. The Whole. Oh, with a W. With a W. Terrible um, title. It's been a few years that he's been playing uh, uh, Agent Charlie on... Yeah, Num 3 uh, FBI agent. Uh, so... Uh, the whole truth does Joel Fleischman and Maura Tierney, the excellent, excellent Maura Tierney, who uh, this Ms. is the Ray show yeah. that this is the show that Maura Tierney recovered from cancer to do. Did she have cancer? Yes, she did. She totally in had real cancer life. In real life, what's up? Uh, bad, but recoverable. It's from all that hanging around with I'm sick people in ER. <laughs> Must be. Yeah. Must be. So, uh, it's called the whole truth. Terrible title. Especially for a legal drama, because you see the whole truth and you see legal drama and you just go, Schnorfest. This show is excellent. It is a really, really well-written drama. Mm-hmm. It's, they've clearly taken, uh, taken a page from Law & Order's book on how to tightly write a show, how to have the right sort of dialogue, how to get just a little bit of that person's life, a little bit of backstory, how to just put a little bit of exposition in there just to keep you watching, but not so much that you think it's an absolutely terrible waste of your time. It's exciting. I don't like law, law dramas. Is there... But, uh, but there are characters who are interesting. Do they do they share writers, creators in common law and order? And- I, haven't, I haven't looked into it. I haven't looked into it. I only mention it because it's got a title that is so bad that every time I see it mentioned, I think... What the hell is that show? I'm not going to watch it. And then go, oh, hang on. No, it's that show that I quite liked. It sounds like... Uh, it reminds me of um, the, the dude that did uh, 30 Days, the, the series, after doing Super Size Me. Oh, yeah, yeah, him. That guy. Yeah, yeah. that guy. Uh, for so, like Morgan it, Spiegman? Was it Spe- yeah. Spellock. 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 Morgan, Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. We got there eventually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the name The Whole Truth, remind, it, it brings to my mind... A, a show that investigates the whole truth about a particular topic each week, or or that or, or that fat uh, Michael Moore guy uh, who just you know Michael Moore, yeah, that guy <laughs> but puts holes through the truth. Well, no, but you know, it sounds like a, a Michael Moore thing where he's going, "Oh, the whole truth and self-important." Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it does. It sounds like one of those. Well, what's his TV show called? 
uh, a waste of my time. TV Nation? Full of lies. The Awful Truth was Nation. the other one. The Awful Truth was, I think, the one you thought. Maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the last, the last show with a terrible title uh, that was also surprisingly good, Raising Hope. I knew nothing about this show at all. I had heard nothing about it. And uh, and it was, you know, I had a whole disc of new shows from the US that I was watching and yeah. watched everything. Oh, the Joel Fleischman one, LA set? Uh, no, New York, I think. Okay. And this one? Uh, Raising Hope. Raising is, Hope sounds like St. Elsewhere, uh, sounds like Chicago. Or, or sounds like uh, sounds like maybe one of the, uh, like that, that girl who could talk to God in, in various Vices, uh, Joan Medium. of Arcadia, like judging ah. Amy or whatever, you know. Yeah, and it's about Amy and she's a judge. Yeah, like, oh wow. And you just think, oh, lame. Oh, I really can't be bothered. Is it about raising a girl called Hope? It is. See, that that's incredibly lame. But <laughs> when when the title is like descriptive, like I think that's a real problem. But is it Coen Brothers? Created by Greg Garcia, who is the creator of My Name Is Earl, uh-huh. and it is once again. Middle America, poorly educated, but uh, but very lovable bad people uh, who who just you know they they have jobs, uh, so they're you know already one step up from my name is Earl. So when you say Middle jobs. America, it's not in the same town as the janitor and Jane Krakowski in the middle. Middle America is like no. more than one town, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a large chunk of the middle of America. Okay, it's somewhere down south as well, and uh, I, so I don't really know where it's at. It <laughs> well, it's not is, Chicago then. It is absolutely hilarious. It's funny. It is a really, really funny show that also has Martha Plimpton in it. The excellent Martha Plimpton. Who the mm-hmm. last thing that we saw her in was uh, uh, How to Make It in America. She was the owner of the interior design company. Yep. Uh, and before then, you would have seen her in Goonies. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. What? Martha Plimpton is a fantastic actor and, uh, and great to watch. Really funny show. This guy just happens upon a child and they don't really know how to raise her. Uh, the name of the family, but is, he gets to keep it. He gets to keep her. Yeah, uh, he gets to keep it because he actually he actually has custody. You know, they explain all of that yeah. in the first episode. Really funny show. Uh, his name is uh, the the family name is Chance, and they name the girl Hope. So she's going to grow up to be Hope Chance. Uh-huh. I think that's hilarious. That's that. See, they should have lost custody just from that. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so that's some of the full season. We'll uh, bring you more in a few weeks. <laughs> this is Abby Kadabby, and you're listening to Box Cutters. <laughs> and fresh Twinkle off a pl- out. <sighs> twinkle out, Abby. She gets me with that twinkle out. I always forget because, you know, it sounds like she's just fading out. And she twinkles out. Scary. She's not actually fading out. She's just as loud, except you can't hear her because she's so high pitched. <laughs> you know, I've got no segue from that to this, but fresh off a plane from Elston Week in Victoria, <laughs> it is John Richards. Thanks for finally coming into oh, yeah, the box. You came up in the uh, ABC TV helicopter. I am. I'm so, so I'm funny here. I'll do my bit. <clears throat> 
You are listening to, or have just missed, Box Gutters. No, no, no. That's, no, 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 no I thought I was here for. No, no, no. <laughs> is, no yes, is there we, more? We're not up to that bit just oh, yet. thank God. Just yet. Yes. Almost, but not quite. Uh, it, John, did, it did take a while. You've, you've been uh, at the ABC studios in Elsmeet because you've started pre-production on your show Outland. Yes. It what? surprises me as much as anybody else. Now, you've been, you've been working on... So, your show was picked up uh, 18 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And when the earth cooled. When the earth cooled. And yeah. you've been reworking scripts since then while also having producers uh, getting funding, organising money, uh, organising a network and organising all that sort of stuff. Uh, how is that not pre-production? That's an excellent question, Josh Canal. I don't know. I just know that. Uh, pre- I mean, we've 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 shot. We we filmed for a day last year. Yes, yes, I, know, I, we, I remember that. We went down to the Pride March because the last episode takes place at the Pride March, and it's easier to film a real one than get you know thousands of extras. So you're a fake just one. getting coverage so that it didn't cost as much. I can't remember what they called it. Yeah, there was probably some kind of weird. Thing. But I mean, but and I mean, also we've we've already done the casting. We've already you, done you could uh, do it twice at the Pride March and cut them together and have a fabulous Pride March. <laughs> <laughs> so the so the the casting is not part of pre-production. Then uh, you generally, I think, have the cast in place when official pre-production starts. So so what is it about the uh, about the the show now that it's you know, got pubes and its balls have dropped and it's well, in pre-production. We've got lanyards, right? You've got official <laughs> lanyards. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have, I have a bad picture on a lanyard. But are, are you doing any any other things that are more like? Well, yes, we're going, we're going ahead. And well, well, I mean, today, I mean, do you start doing timings? Do you start doing? Yeah, t- timings. Been, in the last week, they've brought in kind of most of the heads of department have come in to have a chat with the director, and uh, he has come up with his style guide and knows kind of how he's going to approach the show, which is also very exciting because it's looking very cinematic. Um, and then this morning we had the first uh, sort of official meeting. So everyone's there, all the heads of the department. And this for me was really interesting because this is the point in which I thought a show about five people in one room talking was pretty cheap to make. And I am completely wrong. I, I had no idea. It, now, is this because one of them is in a wheelchair? No, no just, just, just <laughs> everything has to be accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have to scale the whole sets down. No, no, there's this whole thing about, um, like, for example, episode three, it's raining. So a discussion about how they're going to get rain on the windows. And so, with, so we have a cherry picker, and we're going to have a high-pressure hose. And we're going to be doing this. And I'm thinking, it's just raining because it looks nice. It's not, you know, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to go out of their way. Why couldn't you just put <laughs> someone on the roof with a watering can? Yeah, I, I think eventually... That's what they did in the Brady Bunch, that episode where they do the Thanksgiving play. <laughs> there was some thought you might be able to I, open the windows and just spray them from the inside. I may have some insights. <laughs> Into that. Yes. It takes a very big raindrop to be picked up on camera. Not if it's hitting a window, though. Well, no. You, you could have just run like a, a, a art centre type uh, water wall. Oh, that'd be pretty. Along, along the outside of the thing. Um, but uh, you, do, you do have to have phenomenally heavy rain. And I'm using air quotes there for the uh, listeners. Not viewers on the video podcast. It's a video podcast. Um, to be able to to get picked up and couldn't they it's, do CGI it's really interesting. It's really interesting where uh, with Avatar. the English productions, uh, I think mainly I've seen it in where the, it is raining and the actors are getting wet, but you can't, you can't actually see the rain, see the rain coming yeah. down because that's natural rain. 
The other thing too is, of course, we high def would change all of like, that. Like singing in the rain. You know the big song and dance number in Singing in the Rain. They used milk for that scene. Right, but not the song. The song still said rain. Okay, because otherwise it wouldn't have <laughs> rhymed. It wouldn't. Uh, also, we're not using we're not using sets, which you know, I, I, because in Australia everything's filmed on location, mostly for for yeah, budgetary reasons. But then that leads to all these other kind of. It's actually cheaper to film on a location really? in Australia than it is to film on a set. Um, but even that, though you've got studios available to you at the ABC, yeah, we're using their office. Right, in their office got their lanyards. <laughs> Um, so things like too, they'll go. Well, we found this great penthouse apartment for you know, this episode, but it's yeah, a fantastic apartment. But we might have to have, use a crane to get the furniture in and out, which you which is don't. which is the way the way that these buildings work. Now. Yeah, and yeah, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff where you think it's going to be cheap, and then you don't realise there's all this other stuff. Really, and, they're making yeah. buildings like that that you have to use a crane oh, for, to for a long time, move in and out for a long time, particularly Small lifts, in, apparently, in lifts. That's outrageous. In Melbourne, uh, all those uh, all those apartment buildings that have gone up on St Kilda Road, you need a, a crane to move in and out of those buildings. I know there's at least one development in St Kilda that had under underground like basement car parking where it wasn't possible because of the way the pillars were placed to actually park a normal sized car in there and so all the residents there had to park out on the street big big controversy right mm. anyway bless so they made it an aquarium uh, but the other great thing today, I got to see uh, three technical people discussing how to make a dildo fly through the air like the bone from 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I'm so glad I created a world in which that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was that the discussion I got? I that, that would actually be very hard because you would have to capture it in its, in its spinning nature. You'd have to be able to light it very well, well and you, slow it down. You, you put it on a, on a spiral arm thing. Uh, you film it on a green screen. And then you superimpose hmm. it in. Is 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 that how it was done originally? Uh, originally, no. I remember the pen was done by putting it on a sheet of glass. That's really cool. And you can do this at home, kids. If you want to recreate the floating pen in the uh, in the, uh, the the little Pan Am shuttle, mm-hmm. um, they actually had an enormous bit of glass. They they sticky taped the pen to it with double sided tape, and they just moved the glass in front of the camera as I'm Ooh. demonstrating in the studio. That's fantastic. So then you can actually walk up to the pen and you can pull it off. The glass, you see, and pop it back in the man's pocket. Oh, that's really clever. That's for all of you wanting to recreate 1968 classic movies at home. I, d- <laughs> I do. I, d- I mean, this is, this is one of the things that, uh, that I, I remember learning when I, was, uh, when I was at screenwriting school is how CGI has ruined everything. <laughs> and, uh, and the start of, uh, of the excellent uh, Sergio Leone uh, film, Once Upon a Time in the West, where there is a fly that keeps buzzing around this man's mouth and he keeps trying to shoot away and it keeps buzzing onto there. It's an actual fly and they just painted his chin with honey. Like, that was it. That was all they did. That's awesome. And now they'd have some kind of, you know, green screen, somebody pretending to be a fly. Well, or, now they have fly wranglers. Yes. Yeah, yeah high, like a, highly trained flies that will do that for you. It's like in Jurassic Park where when the T-Rex was first approaching, um, I was watching the making of Jurassic Park. And, yeah. they, and they could have just trained a T-Rex to do that. Exactly. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? But no, they had a glass of water there and they wanted to show, like, the vibrations. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, it took them ages and ages and a whole variety of different kinds of things. And what they ultimately did was they had a guitar string through the car 
like they had someone plucking a guitar string that was just through like the the bonnet of the car like it was incredibly involved just to get exactly the right kind of vibrations so so it is hard to shoot things on camera <clears throat> yeah. is pretty much yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tele- yeah. yeah. television's yeah. difficult so that's that's what what pre-production is well, the, the other how, thing today, how hard is this going to be to make? My other thing I, I also really liked was watching a producer send an email to a lawyer to check whether or not we can use the brand name of a sex toy. Ah. <laughs> you're, changing, you're changing the world. There's a lot of that going on. This list came out of all the references and all the scripts that have to be checked whether or not yeah, we can use them. And my favorite one said, uh, page five, the Manson family and E.T. <laughs> You have to get permission from the Manson family. From the Manson family, because yeah, otherwise I'll get really upset. Really? <laughs> see, I don't see, know. I, no one seems to know. The, it's a mystery. The it's idea that you need, to, you need to get clearance to mention something in popular culture? Mm. Uh, well, this is, no one knows. And it seems to change all the time. So you do need a lawyer, though, to tell you that you're okay with what you're putting in. Because a fr- friend of mine did a, a show for the Comedy Channel uh, that did not get picked up. But in the show, they had a sketch where Darth Vader was a character. And they just wanted to get Darth Vader in a Darth Vader mask. And apparently their lawyer said, no, we can't have that. When in Australia it is perfectly legal for parody well, to, to, to do something like that. They ended up doing it as a really shitty animation because they thought, well, then it was so obviously parody that they could do it that way. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is quite confusing because also uh, you have to clear everything to be sellable all around the world. So you have to kind of cover everyone's... And we, and we have this, this you know, listen, people come back to me going, you can't say Nichelle Nichols is coming to do jelly wrestling in a cage for the Riders Festival. And I'm saying, well, why not? And they're going, because she isn't. But that's why it's a joke. And then we'll sit there silently for minutes. <laughs> how now, awkward. And so how long does this process go on for, this pre-production process? Well, um, the actual shooting is, is in about five weeks' time, I think. So so this is, this is the time when all the logistics happen. So everything before then was creating a package that, that would create a situation where you could then say, all right, let's plan this. Yeah, this is all, you know, the, the really important stuff is like, where are we going to film and how are we going to film it? Right. And, and, you know, yeah, how are we going to make it the rain and the dildo you know, spin through the air? So Whereas before it was the unimportant stuff, like what's the, what's the script going to say and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and who's going to be in it? Who's going to make the thing? I mean, we were talking about that. I saw the list today of, of every time you change a script, once it's, once it's released is the word. See, I, I know nothing. Like a pigeon. Like, like a virus. Um, once it's, it's released uh, and everyone gets their white copy, their pristine white copy, then, of course, the minute you start changing it, which is going to happen, uh, the new changes come out on a new bit of paper that you just slide in to, to replace the old ones. And there's a colour code. It's actually like, so, you know, the first one's blue, and then it goes on. And then, of course, as you go down the list, you say it's like golden rod, and then down the bottom it's orchid. And you go, I, I don't even know what colour orchid is. Oh. Orchids are so many different colours. That's the whole point of orchids. They're pretty flowers. <laughs> Maybe it's actually orchids. They just print so, orchids. So if you're wondering, <laughs> if you're wondering why coloured paper still gets made, <laughs> it's because of the film and TV industry. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing more about the, uh, the the process of how a TV show is made. So the next the next stage, I'm guessing, is production. Yeah, I am. I was I was talking to the location manager in the hope that maybe I, we could go out and record uh, a recce. But, but at the moment, everything's just so you know, it's just all panic, really. Ah! Hey! Ah! So who knows what the hell's going to happen? <laughs> but but that yeah, that would be fun if we could do uh, more exploration into how the hell this thing is going to get made. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm your postman. I have a letter for you. 
you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Just very quickly, we got a letter uh, earlier this week from Andy Boxcutter. You know, and Bo. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's Andy Boxcutter. I paused so that you could say it, so then I could correct you. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. It was a callback to uh, before a lot of our listeners were with us. We're and, born. And for those, for those of you... listeners gone yet? For those of you who think five years is too long, that's how you know. Andy Boxcutter says, I find the general anti-3D feeling expressed by commentariat... Sorry, by the commentariat interesting. And it brings to mind the last, quote, quantum leap in TV. He's not talking about the Quantum Leap TV show. Because that was in the 90s. Yes. Can I ask a quick question? Is yes. this a general feeling amongst everybody talking about 3D TV? No, it's about us. We are the commentary. I, I thought we were the commentary. Okay. Mm. I, could I, be, I, could I just wrong. wanted to clarify what you I thought we were the proletariat. No, no. We're no. not working class. We're, no. we're, we're posher than that. No. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you guys might have <laughs> might, might have tickets on yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man with the twice-dyed hair. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> sir, you have colour in your hair. You have product, sir. Good God. Where's your monocle? <laughs> I can't enter into this conversation. I had a facial and a manicure last week. So, really, who am I kidding? Uh, anyway, he, he says uh, the transition to colour was the, uh, the, the last quantum leap. Uh, I'm not sure whether you guys and girl, including Nelly, very mm. well, thank you, uh, were sentient. sentient back then. Thank you. Page change. I wasn't really sentient. I, I don't think anybody in this room I, was. I, I wasn't. I wasn't either. Uh, really? And, John, you thought that colour television came at the same time that you moved from Western Australia to Victoria, is that right? <laughs> no, I remember the truck no, bringing it. Wasn't it the same time as I, I uh, re- Expo? I remember Expo the, in Brisbane? I remember and, the uh, truck coming down the road in the country and they brought the colour television and we all gathered round and went, look, there's colour on the television. <laughs> That's the second time this show I've made fun of people who don't live in a city. I'm really just isolating our audience. One, the, one. the sad thing is I remember how exciting it was. Look, a colour television. Oh, it's sad. Uh, we were actually we, we were the first house in our street to have colour television. I don't remember it, but, but my brother does because uh, my dad worked for Healing, which was a, a an Australian owned television company. They they made TVs, radios, hi fi's, and, and things like that. Called Healing. Uh, Healing, H E A L I N G. You'd think they'd be in, in hospitals or medicine. Or You'd think maybe that's, maybe that's why yeah. they went bust. Television. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's why they went bust. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he he often brought home prototypes, and so we had one of the first color TVs uh, in in the street. Yeah. When so, it was prototype, though, was it just certain colors? Like you didn't get all of them. Yeah, it was just like the old uh, the old Space Invaders uh, tables <laughs> yeah. with the green. Actually, that's how they originally the did. Over the top that's yeah. how they originally did color television. Was they had uh, they had coloured glass so the grass would be green or the sand if you were watching a western uh, and the sky the sky would be blue or the ceiling that's if you're watching television, I know, it television it? Was, it was bizarre but that is actually how they originally did well technically colour that TV. was colour TV yeah. yeah and it was you know as much 3D as having to have the glasses we make fun of it but you know in 50 years time people are going to say you had to wear glasses to watch 3D TV <laughs> you were reading a letter you had, to, crazy. you had to put up a, a, was, a bit of glass for each show that you wanted to watch each scene Th- there was a time anyway each frame you'd flick through them really quickly <laughs> smash glass all over the house cat was upset it was terrible <laughs> That cat. Nothing could please that cat. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. 
Uh, so Andy goes on to say, but I recall wondering what the fuss was about. After all, good drama and comedy depended on words, right? Who cared whether the image was, in, was monochrome or colour? Jump forward to this century, though, and who would even dream of monochrome TV as being the norm? So, like the move from black and white to colour, one could look at 3D as the next step en route to vi- video verisimilitude. Which I've always found hard to say. I guess you can't blame manufacturers for trying this out. You're right. You're entirely right. There is no reason for manufacturers not to try it out. See, I think Andy's wrong, but I can't work out why. <laughs> like, I, I do feel the change from black and white to color is somehow different from color to three D. But I'm not. I'm not sure. Can how I, I can, can I that. poke a hole in that? And you and can poke a hole in it that. It does come back to to your glass uh, uh, over the top of the of the okay. TV because we're we're. Very early on in the uh, in the step forward with the technology, and uh, many brands that have three D TVs on sale, you have to have glasses specific to the brand of TV that you want to watch. And companies have prototypes for three D TVs that you don't have to have glasses on. This is like having going between black and white and color, but having a, a middle step where everything was purple. I would contend. It, isn't that? But isn't that really what I just said earlier? That the glasses were like the the cellophane screen, or isn't it more like each particular company of well, color television? Like you, one company can do green, one company can do blue, one that, company but, can do no, red. Because, but, but, because, but because Andy's saying though is the concept of color television by by that description yeah. still bad? Yeah, which which it isn't. Hmm. But is the concept of three D television the, the concept? Yeah. The concept of three. I, I believe that we will have three D television. At some stage. But I think that the 3D television we have at the moment is piss poor and a waste of everybody's time and money. And my, my major issue at the moment about it is that the, the manufacturers are pushing everybody into 3D when it's a time that they shouldn't be pushing people into 3D because it's a waste of money. Let's, uh, let's go into things that uh, we would watch in 2D. If you watch one All right, I know I've got a one thing. Brett. I've got a one thing. I know you've got a one thing. I can make one up really quickly. Okay, go. Uh, I would be watching the other half of that special of Stephen Fry appearing at the opera Is that house. in two? I was wondering about that. Oh. It, it's or did you only watch the first half? I've, no, no, no. I've only watched the first half so far on iView. Um, oh. I was watching last night. I got tired. But I watched, um, yes, 45 minutes he talks and then Jennifer Byrne comes on to interview him and mm. uh, it has played on the telly but it is on the iView. Is, is it good? Is it fun? I was actually there. I, I don't know that really? I was there for that particular special. At the special. opera house? In yeah, Sydney yeah. opera house? Yeah, at Sydney opera house. It was oh, awesome. look at me. I travel interstate. Yeah, yeah. The track, uh, you hear that? I saw Stephen Fry live. I was in the same room as him. We shared oxygen, you know. Wow. Be one of the yeah. region where you got to call people from Sydney wankers that he then referenced. Yes. at the opera house. Yeah, no, it was amazing. It was a pretty, it was a pretty amazing experience. He's a, an incredibly charismatic person. It's amazing how lovable he is, isn't it? Considering yeah. you know, he's a big, fat, intelligent puff, you would think that yeah. that's not going to go down well in Australia. With a terrible but, nose. but people love him. Yeah. But also, he's, amazing. He's amazing. But also during it, like he was talking about being addicted to cocaine for a decade, about being arrested for being a thief, about you know nasty things he'd done at school. That's, but he I also says it in such I, an affable, like, oh, you know, and then I did something really dreadful, and I'm a bad person for doing it. But nonetheless, here I am, and I'm very charming and verbose. And you're like, oh, Steve. <laughs> and he kind of talked his way into Cambridge, and yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very yeah. interesting. About it. He's a and, fascinating and, person, and right? the way that he just does it—he does it without any notes. He just does it. I like John's from point. His head. I like John's point, though, that it, it really shows. Like our love for Stephen Fry really shows how far our culture has come. That we can embrace a, 
a large toffee puff. Yeah, 20 years ago, burned at the stake. But no, yeah. now. I mean, it, well, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't 20 actually, years ago, actually, a bit of fried lorry, and, and we were loving yeah. it. Yeah, but he was, he was not nearly as fat. And, <laughs> uh, and he, you know, now we would have just cut him up as steaks. Yeah, is that what you mean? But, but it is. I, I just I think it's great how much we love him. I love him. I think it's amazing, and yeah, you know, just just a whole nation. Brett, if you're going to watch one thing, one thing, Brett. My one thing is on ABC Two at nine thirty on Wednesday night, the sixth of October. For those uh, who may have missed it, listening later, uh, Requiem for Detroit. It's about uh, the the invention and and. Uh, the rise and fall of Detroit, basically, uh, being the motor town, being the centre of American car production and uh, the amount of money that came in because of all of that. More like 8 Mile or more like Hung? American car production is uh, falling away and uh, you've got kind of abandoned neighbourhoods and and places like the other side of 8 Mile and and all that sort of stuff. Or or is it more like... It's a lot more depressed than the glory days. Was it more like the uh, the excellent uh, Dan Aykroyd film, Dr. Detroit? Never got to see that one. <laughs> was that really excellent? Does not sound like an excellent Yeah, probably probably film. wasn't. But, you know, he was like a fancy pimp. It was excellent. I loved it. I watched it a few times. But I was a kid. If you were watching one thing, Josh, what would you watch? I'd be watching Amazing Race on Channel 7 yeah. at 7.30 on Thursday. This new season is excellent. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. And Channel 7 are fast-tracking. They're only like a week behind. Yeah, it's a dog I mean, and a bicycle. They're looking together. Yeah. Is that the one with the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you being Miss California? Oh, no, no, no. I was just thinking of new teams for this year. Yeah, It's a clown and a corpse. You know, it's, it's... <laughs> hey, hey, it's my Doctor Who, all right? It's my Doctor Who. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Toby Halligan, uh, we'll go straight into your footnotes. Superb. Um, look, there weren't a lot of corrections that were necessary this week. You know, well or done, were you just not paying attention? No. Did I, you not hear all those horrible things I said about people who don't live in big cities? I, I did, I did, I did. But finding specific facts that can, you know, contradict those That's is just true, isn't it? People from the country suck. <laughs> I'm not saying they suck. I'm just saying that they, their their towns don't exist necessarily if a tram doesn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Regional Victoria is the future. And that's just too reasonable. This is, this is where... It's only the future to, of regional this Victoria. Where, <laughs> this is where society has to, be, has to be pushed out to because we're running out of space and we're running out of resources in the big cities. Brett, Brett invented the name of a town. What was that town's called, town called? Harquam? Harqua. 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 The Harqua region. H-O-W-Q-A. does sound like a sci-fi race, doesn't it? The Harqua are coming. Beware the Harqua. Can you work that into one of the blue pages? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, we were talking about St. George before. St. George is indeed a working class um, rugby league team. Uh, they're one of the most successful in history. They won 15 premierships. But St. George, before they became St. George Illawarra in like 1999, the biggest home crowd they'd ever had was 23,582 people. So that means winning a premiership in the rugby league is about the equivalent to 1.5 AFL premierships or 2.7 Wimbledons. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to say... 23,895 people, but 50,000 toothless mugs. <laughs> 50,000 dogs, you know. <laughs> hey, um, I, I, I missed that stat. What are you saying? Uh, because the home crowds were small. small. Their home crowds are small. But they won a lot. 
Yeah, they're very successful. They're like the Collingwood. But that affected their selection? Is that what you're saying? Um, I don't well, know what you mean. Why is, why is it so much better to win? Just let it go, Brett. <laughs> the number of people who watch AFL games is higher than rugby league games. That's what I'm alluding to. Okay. Um, Martha Plimpton, if you're interested. Footy, footy is better than that other game. I know. What I'm saying is their coat's crap, our coat's good. Yeah. yeah. You with me? Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ford versus Holden. Yeah. Coming up next. Bloody <laughs> Let's go to Bathurst now. I'm going there right now and I'm drinking. Um, Martha Plimpton, her uncle is actually David Carradine, who was of auto asphyxiation fame. Yeah. Yes. Autoerotic no, asphyxiation, not just auto asphyxiation. Sorry, that's, that's really? very true. He didn't just die in a car. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, let's let's yeah. go there. Um, oh, I, I, I would say more of uh, Grasshopper. Of Kung, Kung Fu fame. Oh, yeah. oh, Grasshopper. You, yeah. you would say Kung Fu fame. But. Uh, young Toby Halligan, who is only 14 years old, let's That's remind right. the audience, uh, has never never got a chance to see Kung Fu. Yeah. I keep on forgetting you're an intern. Yeah. And well, still at school. <laughs> That's kid. Mr. Intern to you. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen, who we were talking about before, who recently perished, sadly. Stephen J. Canal. Stephen J. Canal. Not Stephen Fry. No, not Stephen Fry. Hey. <gasps> would have been some confusion. Um, he was actually involved in the production of 40 series. He wrote 450 episodes and produced or executive produced 1,500, uh, meaning that he was involved directly in producing more than nine, uh, 1,950 episodes for American television. So basically, to put that in perspective, if his episodes were people sat at the MCG, <laughs> it would only take 51 <laughs> Stephen J. Canals to fill, 51.28, to fill the entire MCG. Can you give me a Wimbledon uh, equivalent? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, it'll probably be a 26 or something okay, like that. 26.32. Also, I, I, this, can, can you for next week, I want to know... <laughs> How many pages? How many pages of Stephen J. Cannell's scripts? So, so all those. So, how many times to the moon and back? If we put those pages end to end in a standard U.S. letter, standard format? U.S. letter. Yep. Okay. Okay. Standard U.S. letter. This is this is like the audio equivalent of one of those hungry beast infographics. <laughs> yes, this is what this is what I'm trying to do. This is so trying, so difficult to follow. I'm trying to catch <laughs> So yes, our robots will kill you. He's written. He's written. So you, you've actually got three weeks because we're taking a three week break. So, okay. Uh, we will have things that will come on to. So you do the maths. I want to know how many I'll times to the moon and back. Yeah. How many times to the moon and back will, would Stephen J. Cannell's scripts? Run. It's a deal. I've got a project. Is that each version, each draft, and no, 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 different colours? Just, just, just one. Yeah, coloured paper. Yeah. No, yeah. Just, just the original. Just, just uh, you know, is how many words per page? Yada yada yada. How many pages per episode? How far to the moon and back? Well, it's a page per minute, isn't it? Right, roughly, but it's thirty-five pages for twenty-five minute script for some reason. Because <laughs> you've got the credits on there. <laughs> I don't know why. They just keep going, there's not enough pages. And I go, well, just make the credits longer just and then we have an argument. Use a bigger font. Yeah. Toby beatboxes as well. That's awesome. Well, fi- Final Draft, which is the program you use yes. for writing scripts, it does actually have this cheat function in it, which you can make the, the scripts longer or shorter just so they make the right number of pages. Because By, my, by not quite double spacing it, but yeah, just putting in a little bit extra. It's, it's loose, tight, very tight. <laughs> So, so if it needs to be 35 pages and it's 38 to 32, you can make it. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh, one of the things I loved about using Final Draft back when I was r- writing screenplays for no good reason uh, was y- you can do a profanity meter on it. Really? And, uh, and it will tell you how many, how many uh, bad words you used right. in your script. That's quite good. And, uh, and, yeah. A per minute ratio. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, no, just uh, just for the whole script. Sorry, Toby, I interrupted you. No, not at all. Um, my final trivia fact was really trivial. We were talking about uh, singing in the rain and milk before, and a random trivia fact I was able to discover was that during Gene Kelly uh, was actually wearing a woolen uh, suit during a lot of the filming of this, and apparently he kept shrinking, so he went through four of them. We were talking about random expenses. I thought that was a very random expense. Gene yeah. Kelly was actually expanding. People don't know that. He kept absorbing the rain. He kept drinking the milk. It was full cream milk they were using, and... Gene uh, Kelly's actually made of sponge. I didn't have anything else back then. Oh, he was <laughs> Not many people know that he was made of sponge. Oh, oh, goodness me. That explains so much. Yeah. Remember tomorrow, tell your friends that Gene Kelly was made of sponge. Makes Let's see if much more special. Yes. Did you know? Yes. It was all sponge. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 244. I do want to say next week and for the two weeks following that, so let's just call that the next three weeks, we are going to be taking a break, but we will have a couple of specials coming to your ears, including the uh, interview that John and I did at AussieCon. The World Con at 2010. I'm on Sci-Fi Con, yes. So how are they fitting into the canon over the next three weeks of, uh, of Box Cutters? The Box Cutters canon. <laughs> oh, I think the listeners will have to write fan fiction to try and uh, establish how they exactly interact with the... Much, uh, much the like uh, we've had to have special numbers for our end of year shows. Yeah, I'm actually just going to put numbers on these episodes because it's getting <laughs> oh, too confusing. No. Oh, is that kind of cheating? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Send your box cutter slash. Well, because, to- you know, it's, it's the annoying thing. I, I tell people, oh, we've done 244 episodes, and really, we've done about 260. Uh, and uh, and so count some of them. And we just keep going backwards. Like, you know, it's we're trying to catch up with ourselves. So, no, these will be actual episodes, I will say. Bam. Fair enough. That's it. If I've you've got it. something to say about that, put it on the blog. Until yeah. next... Until... <laughs> <laughs> Until next week or three weeks' time or, you know, however you want to count that, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I'm Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch Wait, us again in four weeks' time. Or next week. S- or next week. <laughs> same bat time. Same bat channel. And hey, uh-huh. let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Toby Halligan and Josh Canal, with help from Brett Cropley, John Richards and Nellie Thomas. Our audio engineer slash magician is Brett Cropley. Peter Wilson commands our servers to do his bidding. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. Listen to the greatest radio station in the world on 102.7 FM if you're in the area or else on the web at rrr.org.au. If you enjoyed this episode of Box Cutters, then go to the iTunes Music Store or Facebook or Twitter or something and write a review. Spread the word and help other people find this show so that they can enjoy it too. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at Box Cutters Cast and our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash boxcutters. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or through the Contact Us link on the blog, which you'll find at boxcutters.net. You can also send us an SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Stephen J. Cannell dies at 69. The man who helped create more than 40 shows, including The Rockford Files, The A-Team and Beretta, had a golden touch, though he struggled early in life with dyslexia. Look out, cat! Ah! Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.